Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ventures Podcast. I'm excited about this conversation with Scott Kaviton. His company, Jump.co, helps people who have real-world assets get into the NFT game in terms of fractionalization, in terms of communicating with audience, in terms of opening up a marketplace to really help creators and those who own assets communicate with their audience and, and set up those buy and sell transactions. So in this conversation, we talk a lot about the NFT space, Web3. We even dive into a little bit about ChatGPT and GPT-4 and how the implications of this are going to affect everything. So if you're listening to this episode, you can also watch by visiting wclittle.com and there I'll have more extensive show notes, different links to the things that we talk about today. And if you're watching, you can also listen Anywhere that you get your podcast, you can just search for ventures and it should show up. So with that, please enjoy this episode with Scott Kaviton. All right, Scott, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this conversation. We've had just a ton, like the last 50 episodes or so have been on, on, on Web3, different components of Web3. I've been you know, pretty heavy in the NFT space in 2021. That before that, it was 2020 in, in you know the summer of DeFi. Before that, it was sort of surviving the winter. And then I invested in a bunch of these ICOs. Um, but in 2022, it's been this interesting one, just the market, obviously, uh, to the amalgamation of trying to figure out what's super valuable. So I'm excited to chat with you. I'm really impressed with what y'all are up to with Jump. But would you mind just kicking us off? Tell us a little bit about how you got into Web3. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think like a lot of people, I had a circuitous route to uh, Web3. Um, so I've, I've been in tech for 20 plus years, cut my teeth at Amazon, turn of the century, um, was really active in a whole bunch of uh, uh, technology, like open source, um, open authentication stuff, co-founded the OpenID and OAuth foundations, and then quickly realized that, you know, the business side was far more interesting. So um, built, scaled, uh, and sold a couple different companies, uh, venture-backed companies. One was in the mobile space. One was in the point-of-sale um, space. <clears throat> and uh, so we kind of built a team that has worked together through Web 1 and Web 2. And uh, we sort of said, well, there's this Web 3 thing. What do we want to do? So about a year ago, um, early 2021, we got together and said, okay, well, let's build up a consultancy. Let's do some uh, basically consulting for early stage web three companies, technical co-founder stuff. And so we started doing that. And then around about February of 2022 of this year, um, really kind of just hit on something that we thought was really interesting and then found a first customer, which is, you know, always kind of the key there. It's fun to have an idea, but unless you have somebody who wants to pay for it. And really it was around physically backed, uh, NFTs. So taking Ooh. physical assets, um, and, and, you know, mapping them to NFTs and then creating a layer of services that sit on top of that for, lending, fractionalization, insurance, vaulting, you name it. And uh, so that's kind of how we ended up in it. But we, you know, there's been a couple of fits and starts uh, before this. We spun up a, a mining um, set of infrastructure back when, you know, it was it was mm. cheap to mine uh, Ethereum and the returns were really good. Um, we built a, uh, a platform called uh, CryptoAthletes.com. Mm which was kind of like crypto celebrities. Um, but Ooh. we got a, we got a takedown from the NFL and it was, it was like oh. <laughs> NFTs were around, but it was still too early and the NFL wasn't ready to do deals. So, you know, these things are about team time or sorry, team uh, technology and timing. And, Ooh. you know, we hit on two of those. And so um, in any case, we've been dabbling around with web three for a while. And, you know, this is, this is where we're at with jump. That's great. That's great. Okay. So you were recently in Miami, uh, 
a lot going on. But let's see, when we release this recording, that will be a you know a week or two prior. But how was it? How were you involved? How was sort of jump uh, in, in in the game there? Yeah, so um, Art Basel is an interesting uh, art festival that's been going on in Miami for about twenty years, and it's it's a mix of ridiculously high end um uh you know parties and artwork and and the stuff that you just could you wouldn't even know that you could bid on it um is at this event and what's happened is you know like a lot of sort of web three and aping in on things um crypto is really bolted onto the side of this mm. and uh specifically in this this neighborhood called winwood which is a, an up-and-coming neighborhood in in miami mm. lots of street art lots of really really interesting things happening there and so there were all these really great Web3 events there um, that were, were just super, super exciting. And, you know, this year alone, I've, I've, I'm a fan of, of really diving into, um, you know, a, a, when I move or build a company, I like to really dive into the scene or the space. So mm-hmm. did it with open source and went to all the events, you know, way back in the day and have been doing it with, um, you know, with crypto, uh, ETH Denver, Consensus, NFT NYC, NFT London, Mm-hmm. bunch of events in Lisbon around Web Summit. And, you know, it's to me, it's that boots on the ground and seeing people in action is so much, so much more um, important. And it's part of why I believe that actually, you know, crypto is going to sustain through this thing, because there's real people who ha- are ridiculously passionate about, you know, whatever it is that DAO that they're working on or the project that they have. Mm-hmm. And it's not just people who are sitting there trying to speculate and buy NFTs because everything, you know, goes up in value. We know it doesn't. <laughs> People really want to solve real world problems. So Art Basel was, it was great. It was, it was, I think it was almost like a therapy session for everybody because it was post Thanksgiving and everybody could kind of share their horror stories of going home and, you know, (laughs) people like, Hey, are you okay? And like, it's like, no, you know, (laughs) nothing fundamental has changed about crypto. Uh, with the FTX, um, right. you know, uh, boondoggle, the, the fundamentals are still there. We're just, you know, having to to clean out the the riffraff. That's about it. Totally. Yeah. All these people saying crypto is dead. You know, I I think it's actually it's, it's fascinating how they don't understand. It's still we still have a lot to teach the world that the underlying infrastructure is exactly designed so we don't have to trust the SBFs and CZs and others of the world. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. There's getting IRL is super important. The energy and these all these different things, all these different meetings uh, is still quite quite strong. Okay, so when I hear about NFTs with IRL assets, I, it's usually people bring up real estate, they bring up um, different supply chain things, they bring up sneakers, they bring up uh, like articles of clothing or 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 different things that they would like to collateralize. Teach us about this space. Like how should even the entrepreneurs listening in or the investors that are th- trying to wrap their head around different use case, like why NFTs matter. Seems like you're positioned exactly in this space. Teach us about it. And like, how should yeah, we- I mean, I, I think, um, you know, our approach is that there, there are, um, you know, interesting assets that, that uh, have, you know, whether it's collectibles, it could be fine art, it could be vintage mm. cars. Mm. There's a range of these assets that, you know, they see boom and bust cycles just like anything else. Um, and there's something about being able to represent that as an NFT um, that allows you to do more interesting things um, from a liquidity standpoint, from a lending per- standpoint, insurance, mm. all these things. Mm. Um, and there's all these you know tools that are being built that solve for those types of things. So what we've said is, okay, great, let's let's build the infrastructure. For taking that physical asset, um, you know, our, our take on it was there's a lot of experts in trading cards and fine art and these other places. So 
we built a white label solution for them because they have the relationships, the expertise, the knowledge. So they can verify the asset, whether it's vaulted or it's out in the real world. They've verified it. Now we we feel very confident about that NFT. And then we can wrap it with all of our services that we have. And where we see this going is, you know, if you fast forward, I'm I, I'm in when when I do stuff like this, I'm in it for seven to 10 years at least. <clears throat> and, you know, with crypto, uh, if we think about a chain of of you know custody and transactions and things over the course of the next you know 10 years um well you start to get some predictability about whether it's you know the 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 price changes the ebbs and flows of these things and if you can spread that across a range of different asset classes and then have a whole bunch of volume behind it you can really understand those markets and more importantly create you know new forms of liquidity for mm. um it could be family offices that come in and say hey we want to put 5 million dollars to work across you know five of the 15 assets that you support um and we want to move the slider from conservative to really aggressive cuz you know we we believe in these assets um and they can drill down to a range of assets of like sort of brand names or they can drill down to specific i want that you know rookie card or that specific you know uh uh ford falcon you know that's uh you know something that people you know get really really passionate about and so um we just think that the at the end of the day we're not using necessarily crypto to buy and sell from a currency standpoint we're using it as a, a means of understanding who owns what mm. and being able to track provenance. And then there's a whole bunch of other things that we, we leverage from a crypto perspective to, to take advantage of, of, you know, new ways you can, you can understand what it means to have that kind of ledger. Um, yeah. So that's kind of in, in a nutshell, as best I can explain it. So who are the, who are the partners? That, so you mentioned the family office. Is it, is it people who have, I'd imagine it's multifaceted, right? So let's, let's say the people who have, let's say $5 million to invest, who are the types of people that just say, yes, come talk to Jump because we can help you think through X? Like what, what talk about the profile there. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think the biggest challenge right now is anybody who's looking to get into Web3 is, is very nervous. We obviously all just went through the Thanksgiving um, of, you know, people hugging you and saying, hey, are you okay? Because right. we're going through the FTX debacle. Um, <clears throat> but really what people want is they, they want predictability, not in the price of these things, but in predictability in how it works. And so, um, unfortunately in the world of trustless, you know, sort of DeFi, um, this idea of trust or building a brand around, you know, folks trusting you is really, really tough. Um, but I'm convinced when it comes to mapping physical assets to a digital representation of it you're gonna there's a leap of trust that has to happen there that you actually have the physical asset and so um trying to sort of map that i think is the tricky bit and so in our conversations the only reason we can even you know get doors to open for us is because we have a track record of doing things in tech and executing cool. and building um you yeah. know teams and technologies around this stuff such that people do trust us um you know they may be taking a leap on on web3 or crypto but at least they believe, hey, you've navigated, you know, a disruptive technolo technological shift. You're likely to be able to do that again. So um, that's kind of how we're leaning into it. Um, and, you know, the other thing here, uh, when we went through this in mobile, I started a company called Urban Airship back in the day. We, we did push notifications. And back when that started, I got laughed out of a lot of, uh, you know, partner meetings um, <laughs> trying to raise money because at the time, you know, you had... Steve Ballmer over at Microsoft calling the iPhone cute. Um, we had investors telling us that the carriers were just going to crush you because SMS reigned supreme. Um, they can turn you off at any moment. 
Um, but what we had was we knew that there were customers who wanted our technology. They were ready to pay for it. And they were telling us, hey, we want more of it and we're mm -hmm. willing to pay more. And so mm -hmm. um, I, I see something very, very similar about to happen here with uh, with what's happening with crypto. Again, once we once we clear out the sort of, right. the, you know, the, the, the bad actors, as it were, uh, I think we'll be in much better shape. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So then do you also partner? So let's, let's say if I were a big car brand. Is it what? How would you partner with like a big car brand on that side, or am I not understanding it correctly? No, on, on the car side, it's more on the vintage cars. Yeah. Um, so folks who who hold vintage cars that they've held for a long time, uh, and they might want to, you know, people might want to go in and group buy something. Um, there's yeah. also some utility that you can do around that. So if I'm a holder of a specific car or some percentage of a car, I might get different rights to it. In other words, I might get to visit it or drive it more. Um, uh, to me, that the utility around these things is going to be what what drives a lot of the value. Um, you know, I go back to that that um, example of the the. There's a company in New York that's basically um, they have a solution for restaurants that allows you to create an NFT drop for a restaurant. So let's say it's a really hot restaurant um, <clears throat> and it's hard to get tables. Well, the amount of money the restaurant can make is defined by the number of tables, by the time that they're open, how they can turn it over. I mean, that's the max they can make. But if it's a hot restaurant and they have this essentially an NFT that allows you to get access at any time, you can almost uh, maximize that scarcity uh, and monetize it. In other words, okay, great. We have a thousand of these. Anybody who owns these can come in and there's three tables that are always available for those folks. Um, and then you can sell those on the secondary market. And guess what? The restaurant will see a kickback on that sale. So it becomes essentially a new revenue stream. And there's this interesting bit of utility around it. And again, the provenance component gets really, really interesting there. Ooh. Because the, the NFT that Jimmy Fallon had might be pretty damn cool versus one from Joe Schmo, as it were. So, yeah. Yeah, I've recently had some series of conversations about NFT marketplaces in the sense of of time and place, right? Even in, in the in so this is fascinating, right? So you're talking about restaurants and the future reservations of seats and things like that and different utilities. I've heard the same thing around concerts, right? If you're if you're a artist and you're selling out a bunch of shows or whatever, you're, you're Taylor Swift, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, yeah. you can have that secondary market instead of giving all that money to Ticketmaster, it actually could come back to the to the artist or whatever the artist wants to do with it, right? People like Adele and Taylor Swift and others are are are, are notable for doing things that are much more fan centric, um, which I think is good about about our future. Well, what's what's really cool about that too is you could potentially as an artist or an athlete give away some collectible about you. You give it away and you sell it in a charity auction mm. and you do it as an NFT and then you can actually hook a, a royalty to that. So you actually make money on the backside. In other words, all the money sold from the pre-sale or the original drop goes to the charity and then any subsequent sales come back to you uh, or at least a royalty of it anyways. And right, so right. Um, to me, that royalty mechanism is really critical and it's it's fraught with some challenges because it wasn't um, the way the ERC is implemented isn't doesn't force royalties to be paid. And so now we have this whole range of, of um, marketplaces that are spinning up that don't actually pay the royalty, which is unfortunate. Mm. Uh, and I, I think it's, I think the royalty is the, one of the key underpinnings of what's going to make this really successful, but that, that's a whole other conversation to be had. Yeah. Right. 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 So, okay. So this is interesting. So if I had a piece of art or if I had a property, well, let's talk about properties for a second. Like how, instead of sticking something on like an Airbnb, although if I were Airbnb, I'd probably be thinking about my web three strategy right now. Um, 
I don't think I've heard anything from them. But anyway, if I had a piece of real estate uh, or a car, let's take the two things. I had a vintage car or I had a piece of real estate. What are the types of things I could interact with Jump with today or in the near future? Yeah, I mean, really, the the big key for us is being able to um, actually, you know, create the transaction, create the the offering, the drop for folks. People can come in and and then purchase portions of it. Uh, uh, and then, you know, the tricky part with real estate and to a lesser extent vehicles, although we've pretty much figured that out, real estate's tricky because each municipality is slightly different about how you record it. Um, and some of them, you know, on your land use and all those kinds of things are just, it becomes a nightmare, which is one of the reasons we avoided real estate. Okay. But I think, I think real estate's a really interesting, um, space for this, especially as we get into the world of. Um, it getting very, very difficult for people to own real estate. If I could own a part of some real estate and then that gets me access to potentially cheaper rentals and things like that, mm-hmm. but I still have some equity component that will go up in value. That's actually really, I think, attractive for folks. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll see how those things, how those things play out. But ultimately, you know, I, I think there's going to be this whole range of different assets that will be on the blockchain um, and you know our services will just help enable them to to get liquidity out the, out of them and under better understand the value of those um, those assets and and really for more folks to be able to participate in what tends to be a, a very uh, difficult space to participate in right it's hard for people to know you know not everybody can go down to Art Basel and and get access and and, and buy you know a three million dollar painting but if you can go online and get a piece of of you know some artists that you you believe in. Um, the odds are that, you know, the value will go up, assuming that's, you know, an interesting, compelling, you know, piece of work. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it sounds like then if you, if you are someone who has a valuable asset and you're thinking about creatively either fractionalizing that or creating some kind of incentive with people, it's use your white label solution, go to jump.co, use your white label solution as a, and, and how flexible is it? Like, can you set up your own, if you have lots of different wild ideas that you want to experiment with your, with your community, can you do that? Or like, what is, what are the functionalities right now? Yeah. I mean, right now the functionalities are are limited in the sense that we've been targeting folks who have existing marketplaces, they have significant inventory and they're looking for a way to onboard that quickly Mm-hmm. Um, and then be able to purchase, you know, a range of different uh, different assets at once. And so, from as easy as the, you know, primary and, and secondary sale, the minting of the NFTs, the um, custodial wallet, because most people that show up or, or that understand these um, don't know or care that there is a custodial wallet, but but there is one, and, and we we power that. The payments piece is another really tricky bit. Um, being able to just, you know, taking crypto is one thing, and actually we don't even really support taking crypto. But you can slap down a credit card or ACH or wire money in, and we actually manage that through an FBO. Again, that trust component is is really critical there. But all these pieces are are non-trivial, and bolting them together and making it work at scale is you know very very difficult for all of these different marketplaces to be able to do. They're experts in what they do. We're experts in what we do. Um, ultimately, where we'll get is we'll we'll take as we launch more of these. Um, uh, marketplaces will actually roll up their inventory because again, it's all on the blockchain and you'll be able to go to jump.co and see a clearing house of all these different assets. So you might say, Hey, I have $20,000. I want to put it across a range of different things or, you know, a specific brand across a range of different uh, assets. Um, <clears throat> that's where I think this is all going to end up going. And, and so, you know, we can do a good chunk of that today, specifically the white label part, 
But for us, it was, hey, we know customers will pay for that. Uh, we know that the, here's the features they want. They don't necessarily care about the protocols or the, you know, the 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 details of the technology. They just want it to work and they want it to be predictable. Um, and that takes them trusting us to be able to do that. And, you know, we have to earn that trust every every customer we we land. So we'll yeah. see if the market has learned from the last couple of cycles uh, to whether or not speculation with the next wave is going to be rampant. It probably will be. Humans are humans. But value creation seems to be, the, it's the name of the game. If you're going to use yeah. Web3 technologies, you have to create value. And I love how you're approaching it uh, to, to be able to utilize that. Where do you where do you see the future, the next five years in terms of, let's just, let's narrow it maybe to the NFT space. Where do you see future opportunities for value creation with NFTs? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think the the physical asset side of things is really interesting. I think um, provenance, again, going back to to who owned what when, um, that's that's ridiculously interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, you know, I, I think I think we'll laugh that you know so many profile pictures were created and so much money was spent on them. Again, it's it's a lot <laughs> like tulips. Um, you know, yeah. back in the whatever sixteenth, seventeenth century. Um, but it, again, it's, you know, you, you have to, you need these things to kind of prove out the tech and prove out the, the, what's interesting there. I think from a, a, a macro picture and with respect to, to crypto, I think the regulatory piece has to be, has to be figured out. And hopefully we don't have, you know, something that, that swings too far, um, with the pendulum, especially based on current, uh, things we, we need something like, you know, section 230 that won't stifle it, but will, really encourage the use of crypto and you know allow you know a thousand companies to flourish here ideally in the us because if it doesn't happen here it's going to happen somewhere else and that mm -hmm. ultimately is very very bad mm -hmm. uh for the us mm -hmm. um and uh, i i do think that we'll we'll see a lot of these cryptocurrencies will will go away as ethereum and bitcoin become the the juggernauts and as the technology gets better and the gas prices get lower um, I think those are really going to be the ones that boil to the top. We're not going to live in a world of 10,000 um, tokens. It just doesn't make sense. Uh, and at the end of the day, people won't even know or care what the token is. They just know that they're using some, you know, some verb. You know, I Google this, I Venmo that. I don't care that I'm using Ethereum as the chain and the gas was this much, right? So where do you, I have to ask, because this is all the rage right now, Open, open AI released chat GPT. GPT-4 is on the horizon. AI, you know, our AI overlords are basically already here. How do you see that? How do you see them interacting? How do you see this AI and this this extremely fascinating, like extremely robust and intelligent um, chat capability, content creation capability, interacting with NFTs, interacting with Web3? What what are you seeing in terms yeah, that's, of- Yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, I think, I think the, the generative art is really, really interesting, especially if you can- um, have generative art that's that's tied to a model that was affected by you know yourself or the community that you're a member of that's that wants that um you know i've 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 got some friends in the in the um uh like you know security space and and their first thought was uh uh oh um you know cuz like they asked G, uh, chat gpt over the weekend write a phishing email and so it wrote this really sophisticated oh, no. phishing email and then the sort of caveat the person put was, okay, so now imagine this this tool with uh, being trained on your personal data, being trained on your personal data to be able to compose specific emails, and then 
learn from its mistakes to be able to better target people with phishing emails. I was like, wow, that went to a dark place really quickly. <laughs> and uh, from a regulatory standpoint, I, I would be more nervous about AI than I am about crypto. Um, and I know that may sound ridiculous, but uh, yeah, no. I, I think there's a lot of interesting things happening with AI, but boy, we are not thinking about the ramifications. Um, and I'm not going to the, you know, to Skynet yet, but uh, I mean, there's <laughs> definitely some, some pretty crazy things that are going to happen there. So um, anyways, yeah. 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 All right. So where can people learn more about Jump? Where can people find you online to continue the conversation and engage? Uh, where, where should we point people? Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Jump.co is our website. Um, and it's uh, somebody made fun of me for our awesome boomer domain, which um, cracked me up. And, uh, uh, and then uh, I'm just uh, Kaviton uh, or at Kaviton on Twitter. So it's KV as in Victor, E-T-O-N. Uh, and that's, you know, I, I do most of my, my conversations with folks on Twitter. Um, as much as Twitter is kind of a dumpster fire right now, it's still <laughs> kind of where the Web3 space, uh, you know, continues its day-to-day -day dialogue. So, yeah. 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 Awesome. All right, Scott, this has been great. Really, really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking the time. Will. appreciate it. All right, a couple quick things before you go. Number one, I have a general newsletter where I write about technology and startups and health science and teaching people to code. And I write about a variety of different subjects that we talk about on this show. So if you go to wclittle.com, there you'll be able to subscribe. And you'll also be able to subscribe to particular topics. If you're just interested in one or a few of them, you'll be notified right when I publish new content in those areas. Number two, my partners and I at Proto Ventures have a portfolio company called Startup Rocket. If you go to startuprocket.com, there you'll be able to receive coaching guides and customize an operations framework for you and your team and your advisors to be on the same page in terms of what is the appropriate next step for you and your entrepreneurial journey. And finally, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review anywhere that you have listened to this podcast or watched this podcast, it would be super helpful to help those who might be interested in consuming this content as well. Thank you.